welcoming you to this week's Citizens Climate Training Program. This is a weekly webinar offering of Citizens Climate Lobbies that provides CCL supporters like you and I with access to in-depth training opportunities on topics related to climate change and effective climate advocacy. I'm your host, Brett Cease, and tonight we're going to jump right into leading a lobby team training. We want to thank all of you here for being a part of our lobby lead training. In this tonight, we're going to go into detail about the special role of a lobby meeting leader. As you might know already, the lead makes sure that our teams go into the meeting with a plan and that everyone knows how to work together with a successful meeting agenda. So you might be tuning in because you know you'll be leading a lobby team meeting soon this June, or because you realize that you'll be needed in this role, or simply maybe because you want to keep deepening your understanding of how to lobby with CCL. Whatever brings you here, we are glad that you have joined us on this call uh, for our conference and lobby day. And if we've done our job well tonight, I'm going to really make sure to focus on the following three learning goals. We'll have the chance to highlight the importance that you play as lobby meeting leaders. We'll emphasize the importance that advanced planning plays while providing some helpful recommendations and setting that up. And we'll start demonstrating how to navigate and adapt to potential challenging situations you might encounter as a leader. All right, so with that, uh, our agenda again is what we've laid out here. I'm going to emphasize first and foremost the important role that you play. We'll talk about what advanced planning looks like. We'll have some meeting planning suggestions. We'll talk about some additional considerations uh, for you in that leadership role. And the biggest thing that we can start with here tonight is that obviously thoughtful leadership is time consuming. You have already spent hours, I'm guessing, pouring over documents, figuring out you know, what you're signing up for. And it also requires self-reflection as well as kind of that extroversion of getting to know your team. So there's many hats you're gonna wear as a leader. And it's also required you to step out of your comfort zone. And to be a leader, obviously, especially in this complicated time where we've got Congress right now caught up in the debt ceiling and all of the zigs and zags that, you know, we're trying to keep track of. I just want to close or to start with tonight by emphasizing the important role that you're playing. And this reminds me of a quote that one of our advisory board members, John Wood Jr. of Braver Angels, has shared with us in the past that I think is still very resonant today. And he writes, our nation faces a test right now. You could say it's a test of our commitment to social justice, constitutional liberty, economic survival. Each of these may be right. But more than anything, we face a test of our ability to hold true to the civic conscience of American life that freedom fighters from the revolution to Dr. King and beyond have died to give life to. That is an America in which we meet injustice and political differences with moral resolve coupled with goodwill for our neighbors and a commitment to the communities that are the cradles of our shared tomorrow. So to me, again, cradling that civic consciousness of our country, meeting our lawmakers with respect for their public service, no matter who they might be and who we might be and really helping move them forward as much as we can in these meetings that we're preparing for, that is the bread and butter and the heart and soul of what CCL is all about. And your, your leadership is absolutely at the crux of that, making it possible. So just know, again, for those that are here live or tuning in later, we thank you for what you are offering. And it is absolutely essential for the success of our organization, but also our democracy. So let's also think about this. As leaders, it, it, it's important to play to our strengths, right? To know what we have. We covered this in earlier lobby trainings, 
uh, but just as a little reminder, what makes us so powerful as constituents in our meetings with members of Congress is the following couple of bullets. You can add, I'm sure, some other ideas to this too. But you know, we all get nervous heading into meetings, and that's a normal feeling. But to ground ourselves with these advantages, I think, is a helpful way to really realizing that we're playing on home court advantage. So we are not professional lobbyists. We are real, live, living, breathing people. And even though we want you to be professional and look the part and you know, dress professionally and look nice, you don't have to try to be a professional lobbyist. This is true in any of our countries, from the United States to where CCL has active chapters throughout the rest of the world. And again, relax and be yourself. Do whatever helps you get into that empowering listening space for you and your team ahead of the meetings. You could take deep breaths. You could remember again and reflect on the team that you're gathering together as great, capable people. But part of what sets CCL apart, what we hear over and over from congressional offices, is that they love meeting with us because we are ordinary people that have traveled great lengths to share a deep, authentic passion, that we care deeply about the future of our planet, and we have specific recommendations, actual bills or policies that Congress can take action to do something about it. And also know this, as an ordinary human leading a team of ordinary humans, there's going to be mistakes. You're not going to have a perfect meeting. And going into that, knowing that, and, and handling those mistakes the best you can, realizing it's not going to be a big deal, is going to set you up for the most success. There'll be things that your team will say that could have been said better. And we'll show you how to handle some of those situations in this training. But the important thing to keep remembering is that we're about building relationships, whether that's building up our team members to make them the best contributors and lobbyists that they can be, but also building those relationships that are so key in building trust and moving forward with our members of Congress. And so with that, I also just want to pose this question. It's more rhetorical because I'm going to give you the answer right after this, but you can kind of start thinking about it. And that is, as a lobby lead, how do you think you're best in a position to help others grow and feel empowered to express their own personal and political power? I would venture that for many of us, one of the most direct ways that we can answer that question is by mentoring and nurturing our fellow team members in a way that builds their capacity for this work. The world doesn't need any more energy or oil and gas lobbyists on the Hill. The world needs us tenfold, a hundredfold. It needs people that are regular citizens, constituents of our members of Congress's districts that are comfortable and confident and meeting regularly about this topic, uh, just given the importance and the urgency of that being something that they're constantly hearing back home from in district. So your ability to build that capacity for this work is critical. Your role as a leader is not to walk into the meeting and dominate the conversation and show how smart you are and be the main one talking. Your role is like a good conductor. And the best conductors in the world maybe have a little flair and flourish with how they wave that baton stick, but they generally stay out of the way and let their star performers shine, right? So think about how you can apply that metaphor to really draw out the soloists that you have and manage the meeting so that all voices have a chance to be heard, and really play to your strengths of your overall ensemble, right? So you want to think ahead, again, about the transition points of the meeting between speakers, between roles, 
how to get the conversation back on track, how to cue people to bring them in and crescendo into the primary ask, et cetera. And we'll get into some of this again, but I'll underscore, especially because it is somewhat counterintuitive, our goal with these meetings is to make sure that the staffer or the member of Congress is speaking at least 50% of the time. So half of that meeting, we want to be in active listening mode at least, if not more. Uh, you know, we know a lot of meetings can actually just really be about continuing to reflect and ask open-ended questions and have it even be more than that half and half balance. So know that you are contributing to a strong relationship that we've built over the past decade with Congress, especially with our long-term members, but even with our freshman members that are here for the first time, we already have a reputation on the Hill that you're going to continue to build, that you can feel confident of, and that you have the political savvy, the skill set, and that grassroots support to help us flex our muscle, our political will-building muscle, to pass needed legislation like a carbon fee and dividend. So. With that, let's talk about advanced planning. And this is a series of important considerations really to kind of think through ahead of your meeting. So if you haven't yet, again, you know we're over a week out still, one of the things that I would recommend doing is to call and introduce yourself to the rest of your team. And you might be saying, I don't know who's on my team. Well, chances are a lot of us don't know our full team yet. You might have a good sense, especially if you're working with your liaison, of who's already going to be attending that's a constituent from the district of the meeting that you're planning on leading. So you can already get to know those individuals if you haven't, and you can work with your liaison locally to find their name and numbers if you don't know. But the other big date to remember is that June 6th, so basically a week from yesterday, that would be uh, when, actually a week from uh, on Tuesday. So next Tuesday, we're going to have the opportunity to send out the meeting uh, assignments two days earlier than normal. We're really trying this year hard to get those out as soon as possible. I don't know when they'll be sent out next Tuesday. It could be in the middle of the day. It could be at the very end of the evening. Uh, but by next Tuesday, you as a leader should be able to receive the full picture of who's going to be on your team. And that should set you up between then and whenever you arrive that weekend for the conference to know the individual's names, have their cell, and even, you know, just send a little text. Maybe you don't have time at that point to give a call, but start to really break the ice and get to know those individuals. Um, I'm going to show you in a couple of slides some of the options that are going to be available for people to do advanced meetings at the Omni, some rooms that are available and some dedicated time blocks for meeting planning. And I would encourage you in those early conversations to also start asking your team members what preferred roles they think they'd be most interested in. Now, you're going to have a link in the email that's sent out to everyone to the bios page. We have a resource on CCL Community that features all of our members of Congress and their biography that we update every cycle of Congress. And uh, for those that haven't seen that yet, I will put a link to it in the chat um, so that you can also start checking that out. Uh, but know that that is another wonderful resource for you even right now as you are gearing up for your preparations to doing a little bit more background. And maybe you've already done some work looking at the committees they're on or their background before joining Congress with a simple Wikipedia search or finding their congressional webpage, all the better, right? 
that biopage isn't the only authority out there on the age of the internet. There's a lot of ways you can do that research. And as always, as I you know, will highlight as a reminder again too, the review materials recommendation is just brushing up once more on the primary asks and the uh, supporting asks that are available. All right, so with that, let me briefly review those meeting roles, since that is one of the big things that we wanted to also make sure to encourage you and your teams to start thinking about who would feel like a natural fit. Beyond the lead, we have the appreciator. That individual begins the meeting right off the bat with a genuine appreciation about the member. It doesn't have to be about climate change, anything that they've done with their public service, any particular piece of legislation that your team has appreciated back home or has had a positive impact in the district. I've seen a lot of meetings where everyone builds in an appreciation as you go around and you do your round of intros. It really can be whatever you look, uh, whatever it looks like best for you. We have the time monitor. This individual keeps time and right at the beginning of the meeting, we like to have them ask how much time the meeting is being planned for. Even if you know ahead of time what was communicated, it helps to do that check right at the beginning so that you can gear your meeting and make sure the most important points are included depending on if that's shifted. And then they also monitor to see when you've hit that time to check in with the member of the staffer to see if that's it or if you have a bit more time and they genuinely most of the time actually say, oh, well, we're still in the middle, let's have five more minutes or something like that. So that way you can kind of build in that additional permission. And they're also the one uh, as time monitor that really takes a rough tally of the amount of time that the member of Congress or the staffer is talking versus your team. So they're really the one that's charged with monitoring that 50-50 split goal. We have the asker. This is the person that is prepared to give that strong primary ask or the secondary supporting asks. You could have multiple people broken, breaking that out, some giving the primary and another giving the supporting ask. The note taker is a really important role that is often overlooked uh, in terms of what other people feel like might be uh, in terms of stature, but I would say it's essential for that person actually to have experience in past lobby meetings, if possible, because that's gonna allow them to be even a bit more empowered to capture nuances and details that a newer person might miss uh, from that first meeting and to really know what to key into. We're more interested in notes that reflect the actual body language and what the member of Congress says versus what we've said. So if possible, lean into any possible detail on the actual um, discussion from the member of Congress or staffer side. And then beyond that, we have the person that does the follow-up. If you're a liaison yourself or if you're a liaison in the meeting, Genuinely, that's uh, uh, generally that's when that person kind of steps in to make sure to after the meeting build in the next steps follow up. Meaning, what are we doing as the next step following up the meeting to continue to build that relationship? Uh, we have a photographer role, somebody to get uh, you know the photo and make sure that that's shared with a larger chapter and on social media afterwards. And if we were meeting online, another critical role has been that of tech support to make sure that everything's humming. And so with that, that's a general review of the, of the meeting roles. So you might be curious, again, uh, I know a common question I got ahead of time here was, how are the appointments set? And that has been made by the congressional liaison or an appointment center as a designated volunteer. They're being planned to be set in person. And we have to be flexible. This is something that we always like to just remind ourselves out loud. Meetings that are even already set can be changed even 
um, last minute, maybe it's a different building, you know, they're meeting at a committee, so you have to meet them there, or the hour is different. Just so just be prepared as meeting lead to exude that sense of flexibility. Most likely once your meeting is set, it's going to stay that time, but I would say one out of every 15 or so meetings is rescheduled, you know, even the day of the actual, you know, Hill Day on Tuesday, the 13th. So again, the, the next thing that I want to highlight that I'm guessing we'll also have some questions about is that while CCL National is working on our side to create uh, teams with input from liaisons and our state and regional coordinators, you and your liaison, if you're not one, as the team lead, can confirm what you would like to put together as your meeting plan, complete with goals and open-ended questions or important details that you think are gonna be uh, key to bring up given the members' uh, connection and history with you. And so if you haven't already done that, we do actually have a meeting planning template and a submission place where you are invited tomorrow uh, to basically submit that. And it's all right, it's not the end of the world if you don't do this, but know that I've just put a link in the chat and our deadline for this submission is tomorrow, Friday, June 2nd, where if you submit this template, it will also be included with everyone else as they get their lobby assignments. And it will help also dictate ahead of time what you would like the team to start thinking about in that meeting with that particular member of Congress. What do you do in a planning session? Well, I've got a slide for that. There we go. So what we want to do is with your team gather together. First, especially if this is the first time that everyone's actually met, slow down and go around the horn and have everyone share, you know, help them stay on target. So it's not a life story but a one minute background of who they are, why they came to DC, what they're excited about, you name it, some part of a background. So you have that icebreaker and you get to know each other and feel that connection. And then what I would do is really just review these four bullets. You don't have to do it in this order, but you wanna have available the previous me meeting minutes. You're gonna get that as the lead. And you know, ahead of time, you can spotlight any of the particular things that you've noticed that have stood out to the member of Congress uh, with what has been discussed in the past. This can also be a time where you, you, know, you have the bio available and you kind of share a quick overview of who the member is, what you see them, you know, as far as like what interests they have, the committees they serve on, the role they can play. Uh, you want to make sure to think about, again, the primary ask as a leave behind and the supporting ask. So what, you know, are going to be the two-ish open-ended questions that you ask after making the ask? What is the supporting ask that the group wants to have if you haven't already established that? Assign roles. So make sure that everyone knows what the roles are and that you check for understanding with each of the people as they've signed up for it. Again, depending on your team, some teams may have people take on more than one role. And you also want to think about transitions. So how are you going to go from one part of the meeting to the other? That's a really a key role that you as a leader play that's often overlooked until it's happening live. And you're like, oh, no, we should have talked about this. How are we going to go from C to B? Um, and then basically, if you do have time, uh, you can literally uh, have a walkthrough after you've done all that, where you actually you've put it all together and talked about the pieces and then you practice it. Now, that's a long actual planning session. I would say if you do all of that, including the walkthrough, it's probably an hour if you're efficient. And so if you also want to chunk it up and uh, do all of it except for the practice walkthrough, that first meeting, 
and then have a separate follow-up uh, meeting where you just do the walkthrough, great. Or you do that one hour meeting and you fit it all in and then you still even meet again for one last practice walkthrough the morning of your hill day. However you wanna design it, um, practice makes perfect. And that model that I just described where you, you do everything together right there and you get the muscle memory started, you ask people to practice then in between then and Tuesday for their section. And then you meet up and you establish a place uh, the Tuesday morning, that would be my preferred path. And again, I realize that people are juggling a lot of other schedules and commitments. Maybe that doesn't happen, but that would be my recommendation. So one of the things I said earlier is a reminder that we have designated times and schedules for lobby planning, starting with Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. There's just huge blocks of time with designated rooms where you and your team can say, hey, let's meet for dinner on Monday at the Regency Ballroom, et cetera. So depending on your team's availability, granted, everyone's going to be juggling competing schedules. Maybe they want to meet up with other friends or their states having a get together or the action team they're also a part of. Do your best early, if not before, like we talked about. You get to DC to figure out a time or two where you can all plan a meeting and that works for everyone and know that this resource is a wonderful uh, schedule that's gonna be sent out to all meeting leads with your meeting assignments. And it's also gonna be in your conference folder at the conference. Uh, but I can easily, uh, again, remind people that the slides, if you're interested in having this as of tonight, I've dropped that link in the chat a few times. Here it is again, and this is slide 21 that has this chart right now. What I'd also like to cover though, uh, before opening it up for questions, is just some possible open-ended questions, as well as a review of where we're at with our primary and supporting asks for this June. So we always, again, this is part of the meeting planning process, right? We always like to think in advance, what are some of the key open-ended questions being questions that elicit more than a yes, no response for you to think about as a team, to add to that meeting planning template or just to use and have in your back pocket for any of your meetings. And here are five that we like using as an example, but you are welcome to use any of these or also create your own that you think might work best for your relationship with your member or staffer. What opportunities or challenges do you see for climate policy this year, especially with a new Congress, especially now after the debt ceiling uh, looks like it's going to be passed? What questions or concerns do you have about our main asks or about our, our supporting ask? How can we help build political will for action on these asks back home in the district? Who should we be talking to? Who do you wanna hear more from? Who should we be bringing to our next meeting? What's an important paper to work with? You know, Who do you pay most attention to? Obviously, in some level, they're gonna be coy about some of those responses, but we also wanna make sure to genuinely find out you know, who are important constituencies that we should be engaging more with? How can we improve the way that we work with your office to really be that source of information, that finger on the pulse on this topic in district? Who should we be listening to and talking to? Again, as a continuation and a follow-up, even if you don't get that uh, most in-depth answer the first time around, you can have somebody on your team be ready to go and ask the same question a different way again to see if you can elicit even a, a deeper response. So what I'd like us to do is just a brief review again. So we had two trainings already just two weeks ago that geared up for our June lobby day. 
and they are in community. You can just search for preparing to lobby and find the top link. You can you know, search for lobby training one or two or primary and supporting asks, legislative plan, you name it. Um, those are available. I would recommend um, checking those out. I think they're pretty critical for the work that we're all doing. And if it's helpful, I can also put a link in the chat to that short link that I just uh, have here on the slide. And then I'm guessing at this point, almost if not all of us have taken the climate advocate training uh, we've been offering it online, especially throughout the pandemic. But if you haven't, or especially if your team members haven't yet had the chance to, it will be available now. Our next available session is at the conference. So now that you can steer any of your team members that are curious about that to the Sunday morning session. And Ellie Sparks is going to be leading that for uh, especially our lobby uh, members that haven't had a chance to take it yet. For supporting asks, we'll go through those really quick and the, the primary ask really quick. One clarifying question that often comes up is there's five of them for this um, June session in terms of five options, but we do not expect you to have more than one of these. If you really think that two of them would pair well, you know, given that there's several that are related to um, climate smart agricultural practice, or maybe you're a coastal state and you're also disaster prone you might you know, pair the RISE Act with the Ready for Disasters Act. We don't want you to feel like you're obligated to ask all five of these in your meeting. I don't think that would be an effective use of your time and focus. So really with your team, pick the one that you think is best suited or at most maybe two. And again, the next thing I'll just highlight here is that people have also asked me ahead of this uh, to speak to this during the presentation tonight. Yes, there were some elements of permitting reform that are in the emerging debt ceiling negotiation that as of late tonight, the Senate will most likely pass and send to the president has to be signed. But there's a heck of a lot more work to be done. And our four priorities, you can think of as maybe one and a half of them having been accomplished with the reforms and the package that was put together for the debt ceiling negotiation. There was a significant um, kind of impact on adding a timeline piece and even a page limit to some of the environmental review process. And there was an attempt to speed up some of the, the duplicative processes uh, within agency reviews. But overall, our main focus is especially of finding ways to speed up the build out of transmission lines to deploy more and more clean energy and also uh, firming up and clarifying the process for community engagement so that they can be, you know, impacted communities and communities along uh, the way can have robust and early and clear ways to engage that process. Those were not touched with this overall package. So they especially will be what we're leaning into in our meetings with Congress. And again, what we are gearing up for is steering Congress in the direction of ongoing focus on permitting reform, not thinking that they did enough within this debt ceiling negotiation so that we can remain focused on emission reductions and also get members of Congress to really understand the importance of having this be a bipartisan package, both for durability's sake, as well as the fact that both parties have a lot of important points that they wanna see. And so again, ways that you can think about that as meeting leads to make this ask, depending on your office and their point of view as Republicans, emphasizing the importance of quicker approval timeline, incentivizing innovation, talking about the benefits of this approach and reform leading to lower energy costs, 
We also want to make sure to emphasize in Republican offices, these two other elements, like I talked about earlier, our priorities of transmission acceleration of building out more and more transmission easier and robust community engagement. On the Democratic side, what we want to make sure to pitch or frame this around is, again, many of the benefits that we've seen from the Inflation Reduction Act will not be fully realized if we keep our current reform, if we keep our current build out at the rate it is, where we're expanding or updating and replacing our grid at about 1% annually. We need to double, if not triple, that rate. And so the importance of speed to meet the scale of the deployment challenge we face and the efficiency angle are really key areas to lean into and understand their concerns if you're talking on the Democratic side of an office. And the other thing uh, is a primary ask, again, as a reminder, is if you are meeting with your House member, your congressional House member, this isn't an ask on the Senate side because we don't anticipate a Senate bill to be introduced in the short term. We are still excited about the timing, hopefully, of the Energy Innovation and Carbon Dividend Act being reintroduced right before or even during the conference. And if it's not during or before, immediately afterwards, given that they're gonna hear from a thousand of us on the Hill. So really emphasizing again, the importance in the background of a price on carbon being essential to meet our emission reduction goals and that that can be done in a way that returns the dividend back to households to protect American families and empower them to make choices in their own lives to make that energy transition. If you're curious about the Energy Innovation Act, you haven't heard much, I'm happy to um, also field questions on that uh, in the Q&A. So with that, um, I think I'm at a place uh, where, here's this last slide that I'll just review again. As you also um, are able to between now and actually showing up to DC, what we do recommend is actually sending in advance a copy of our primary and what your team decides as your supporting ask, as well as a list of the constituents attending. It doesn't need to be the full list of your overall lobby meeting, but they're particularly interested about who's gonna be there from the district to really you know, kind of have a trust and verify that this is an actual meeting happening with constituents. And if you have any other additional evidence of support from back home, letters to the editor they've been reading, uh, uh, written recently, um, you know, any other fun materials that you've generated at tabling events, from constituent letters to photos of people in action, you know, asking members of Congress uh, to take action on climate, you name it, any of that evidence to support recent endorsements, you can also bring those to your meeting or reference them ahead of time with your communication. But all of that being sent to advance um, to the person that you or your liaison have coordinated the scheduling with is a really great way of helping prime the discussion so that they're even a bit more prepared and have read what you're going to be referencing during your meeting ahead of time so that they don't spend time during the meeting having to scan that document. This key concept that uh, if you can kind of uh, encapsulate, you are going to bring situational awareness. So basically situational awareness is understanding what is happening in the moment and reacting to it rather than going on autopilot and saying, oh, well, this isn't part of the plan, so we're gonna just speed ahead. Focus on what's being said. If you need to adapt or shift course or really lean into a discussion point to further expand and explore it, it's okay to pause the plan for a moment. As lead, you have that full permission. And the goal again is really deepening our understanding of where the office stands. So with that, 
Well, I also want to remind you, like we talked about earlier, that your main goal outside of building that relationship with the office and moving them ahead on climate change as lead is empowering your team. So take note of who's not being heard. If there's a power dynamic going on in the group all of a sudden where only one person is kind of dominating the meeting, be prepared to pivot and bring in other voices, right? As a good conductor, if the violins are you know, crowding out the overall score, you want to lean in over and get the double bases to you know, boom out their resonant voice. It's a team sport and it's our role as leads to make sure that all voices are singing together to really have that be a successful meeting. And if you're doing this, and again, we've got a couple other scenarios we talked about. If somebody else stumbles or says something that you know to be patently false, you can always follow up and say something very strategic like, if I may, let me add to what Susan was saying. And that way you're not necessarily calling them out in front of everyone, but you're building on and providing more context or framing. If you've got somebody that's angry or all of a sudden goes off the rails, be prepared to frame it again as something that, you know, we're very passionate about this topic, but again, we know that you are working hard to get something done on time and you're saying, and then cue back to what was just being discussed or however you want to frame it. Other considerations, again, as team leads, you could have a team that's going to be five people. It might be seven people. Um, there's not one set size. Everyone there is going to play an important role, though, no matter what. If somebody shows up late, if they're not an actual constituent, we are going to ask everyone at the conference, so this is not something that you yourself have to set as an expectation, to not join the meeting. If they're the only constituent then maybe we're going to make an exception because obviously Congress likes to hear from the people that elect them. But if they are somebody else and they just got lost or for whatever reason their other meeting went late, it's okay. They can wait on the hallway and get debriefed with the rest of you. And we also want to make sure for meeting security sake in person, just build in some extra time uh, as you're going into Congress. Obviously, they're still providing that security check so don't assume that you can just kind of breeze right in. You're going to have to go through a metal detector and that's going to build some extra time in. After the actual meeting, don't have people leave. Make sure that they know after the meeting that you're going to walk down the hallway far away from the earshot of the office. Don't just go right next to the actual office, um, but debrief immediately. And the main goal that you want to have, I guess I should say there's two dual main goals. One is just being your affirmational self and saying, Great work. You know, this was really a wonderful opportunity and emphasize the strengths of what people brought. But you're also going to want to review what everyone saw together. So review the notes. The note taker can lead this debrief section and then other people can build on it. Oh, yes, I also noticed this. Or don't forget to capture this in the notes. So at this point, this person leaned forward or really seemed interested. Um, really kind of capture what other people notice so that the notes reflect the full team's observations. You also, in that debrief, want to confirm responsibilities. What did we promise them and by when and from whom? And who is going to be the one on the team to send a follow-up thank you? You could do it right there. I've seen a lot of teams already bring a thank you card with them for the debrief. Everyone can sign it. And then that person can go literally right back to the office and hand them a handwritten thank you card. You can figure out maybe that isn't going to work for your team. Somebody can mail it afterwards. Figure out, though, how you want to send and convey that thanks. And you also want to make sure after the meeting to follow up with your note taker to confirm that they've submitted the notes, 
and with the liaison, if that's not you, to make sure that the follow-up plan is already being executed. So speaking of meeting minutes, we use the action tracker exclusively for that. And I will put a link to the liaison coordinator uh, email here in the chat. Uh, but basically, it's you want to go specifically to our action tracker. You can easily just go to cclusa.org forward slash minutes as well. And from there, you can easily have that be where you're submitting your notes. We have all of the primary and supporting asks preloaded. So you can just check the box with which ones that you asked and all the forms that are on the meeting notes. You're, each of uh, the attendees gets a copy of the meeting notes. And you're able to basically from that have the actual kind of same format from the um, actual um, kind of handout to also put online. And here's the sequence. If you're looking online, you go to the action tracker, click contact with legislator, and then lobby meeting. And from there, all of those are set up. And so what I would like to do is just close tonight with a brief word from our Vice President of Government Affairs, Ben Pendergrass, to ground us in the importance and the power that each of you have heading into the Hill. Or to remind yourself to keep asking open-ended questions. That's the lingua franca of successful meetings. So you want to make sure to keep asking and leaning into these questions to get to underlying factors. Make sure that your team is going to walk out with a specific action. So what, you know, engage in the meeting, like what is our next step? What do you want us to do to continue to work together with your office? Your team is going to feel focused and confident with you as a leader modeling that and bringing them out in the planning. And you want to make sure that the office feels like you are an ally to help them address their concerns on the topic of climate change so that they can be looked to the office as an expert on climate policy to continue to build that relationship outside of that meeting. If you're interested in being a part of log your training, and uh, at this point, if anyone has questions after tonight, you're also more than welcome to email me, brett at citizensclimate, or go to cclusa.org forward slash forums, and from there, um, pose any questions that you have for our staff that way too. Again, thank you so much. I know we leaned heavily at the beginning on this, but I'll also end by saying that you are the reason why we're going to have such an outsized impact in our Hill experience, showing up, having meetings with Congress. And I want to thank each of you personally for making that happen. It couldn't be done without you. So I hope that you found tonight's training useful and empowering and getting you ready. Thank you for listening to this episode of Citizens Climate Lobby's training program. You can tune into more episodes anywhere podcasts are available. Inspired by what you heard today? Join Citizens Climate Lobby to advocate for bipartisan climate solutions. Go to community.citizensclimate.org to find more trainings, resources, your local chapter, national action teams, discussion forums, and more. Be sure to like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Citizens Climate. We also invite all of our listeners to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more inspiration. Like what you hear? Recommend us to your friends and make sure to give us a five-star rating. It helps us show up on other listeners' feeds. Feel free to pass on any suggestions for future episodes in the comments as well. And together, we are creating the political will for a livable world.